Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Listen, ours is an epic tale. True friendship, heart-stopping danger, men and women in tights, making the rules and breaking them. We are not two men. We are ten men. Listen. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is ironradio.org. I'm Robert Fortress Fortney. Um, I'm a former editor at Muscle Mag International, a former competitive bodybuilder, and a powerlifter. And this is Phil Stevens, everybody. Um, I'm a strength coach, uh, founder of liftforhope.org, strengthguild.com, and as of today, um, my training facility, Strength Guild Topeka, opens officially. Today? So, today, today, the 1st of September. It's the official day. <sighs> yes. Yeah, yeah, we talked about this, uh, it, for those who might have missed our episode from last year, we talked quite a bit about, uh, Phil's gym, so uh, yeah. sounds pretty badass. So yeah, we got a bunch of equipment still showing up and stuff, but we're officially open for business today. I had some some pre-opening lifting going on. Put up a nice video on YouTube. Had some, had some good stuff going on. Oh really? And then, oh yeah. yeah. Send me the link to that. I'll answer that. Yeah, we'll do that. That one kid is on there that I told you about. Oh good, good, he good. Does a bottom up squat with uh with four fit or five fifty. Right on. So nice, nice. Um, today we have Philip. Rockman Wiley as a guest. Good of you to join us in another sterling victory over the forces of evil. Um, and we will be speaking with him. He's a he's a powerlifter, um, champion powerlifter. We'll be speaking with him in just a few minutes. Um, Phil, before we get get into that kind of stuff, tell me a little bit about uh, how you're progressing in your uh, physique transformation. My physique transformation, not bad. I saw all the things right in front of me, and I said, "Man, this guy is getting ripped." And he's huge. We're two and, I guess, a half weeks yesterday. Um, the first two weeks, I just went really low carb, kept it simple, didn't mess with my calories at all. This week, huh. I'm I'm adjusting things a bit, um, giving myself a few days where I go real low calorie, mm-hmm. and then a couple days where I load back up on carbs and stuff. And I'm down about about what is it? About about nine pounds. This guy is getting ripped. Okay. Um, but strength seems to be staying, staying. I mean, squat suffered a little bit, but I can't tell if that's due to my, you know, I haven't been able to squat hard because of my hip. Yeah. Um, or, or this diet, but everything else is going great. I put, uh, 300 over my head again. And he's huge. Um, which I hadn't even attempted that in, in several months. So put 300 pounds over my head again. And like a power push press? Yeah. Push press. Um, I don't know. My deadlift's coming along. I was just hitting, some easy 505s from blocks for singles, and then I did a 505 for 12. He's huge. Um, looking to push that back up and and finally get that 804 raw yeah, deadlift. What is missed. your what is your body weight now? I'm sorry, did you say 245? Yeah, when you uh, are are seriously getting close to you know, making that run for the eight, um, what, what what do you anticipate your body might? Oh, 275, 280. Yeah, I'm gonna eat my way back up for for the eight. It'll be I'm gonna do it in the the 275 plus. Right. So I'll be I'll eat back up. So it'll be after. I'm going to train hard for it now, but uh, for the next two and a half months, I'll be dieting down, and then then that'll give me about seven months to, to work my way back up. Right. Right. Sounds so, good. I'm uh, I'm actually 
during I, I'm actually experiencing right now my uh, active rest week um, in preparation for my powerlifting meet, uh, which is uh, what is it now? Seven, eight weeks now from now. So I actually only have I think four more sessions uh, for each of the three lifts. So my my pre contest uh, routine right now is a little bit weird, but I'm weird, so that's fine. Uh, we'll see how it works out. Um, anyway, I, w- I actually wanted to uh, read a letter that we got. We we do tend to every week get uh, you know several letters from our listeners, which we again very much appreciate. And uh, this letter is actually I'm going to read this for two reasons. Um, a because um, she provides a funny story, and we are always asking for um, our listeners to provide funny stories that they've seen or heard about or experienced. And two, because we actually don't get a lot of feedback from our female listeners. And I did want to mention that um, although we tend to be very uh, <laughs> man-centric on here and, you know, with our, you know, um, pro-testosterone discussions and, you know, aggression and such, I, we, we do have female listeners. And uh, I want to mistake the fact that we, we're, even though we are like that, we certainly, certainly don't look down at all on female lifters uh, and athletes. Um, most of the time we're just trying to be humorous, but the truth is we uh, we have all the respect in the world for females who engage specifically stuff like this because powerlifting, weightlifting, all this kind of stuff because the truth of the matter is there's, there still is very much a stigma uh, for oh, females. Yeah. So it, it really does take a lot of cojones um, alone, um, figuratively, for women to engage in this stuff and, and endure possibly, probably, um, the sneers and sideways glances and so forth that they get from uh, friends, family, and just people that see them in the gym. Anyway, this is from uh, Emma Green. She's 23 years old. She's an iron-loving gal. Uh, she's in the UK. She's been listening every week, and uh, she doesn't know anybody, she says, in real life who is into lifting, so she really enjoys hearing the show um, because we talk so passionately about strength training. So, awesome. Her funny story is... Um, here it is. I was halfway through my squat workout when I noticed a woman next to me heading towards the Barbie dumbbell rack. She says that's not unusual in her gym, Sally. Um, I like that, Barbie dumbbell rack. What was particularly unusual is that she also grabbed a hula hoop and then proceeded to perform tricep extensions while simultaneously hula hooping. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is. She needs to bring a... A phone camera next time. you got to catch this stuff. Yeah, Emma, you, you need to get this stuff on here and send it to us. She says, although it did put me off my workout, it did provide some good entertainment. So, anyway, so that that's an email from uh, from Emma Green. Um, from the, Thank you, Emma. From the UK. And like I said, um, we, we do enjoy hearing from all our listeners and, and our female listeners as well. So, um, good training to you, Emma. And uh, keep listening, keep lifting, and... Uh, Keep us in, keep me on tap of uh, what kind of uh, the emails come directly to me. So keep the emails coming and tell me uh, how things are progressing and how you're doing and uh, yeah, good stuff. Anyway, um, so yeah, let's let's progress now into the uh, interview portion of our show. And we have, like I said, we have Philip Wiley, and I believe your nickname is Rockman, is it? Uh, that is correct. Yeah. Now, where, where did you come up with that? Where where did you get that uh, handle from? Got that name from uh, one of my best friends and the owner of Bad Attitude Gym. I'm normally a pretty quiet, reserved guy, but whenever I lift or get on the platform, I'm a lot more aggressive and right. like a different person. And mainly, we're, we're really originally came up with it. We're in the gym one day, and I'd only been training with him for probably not quite a month. I was getting ready to deadlift, and right as I got ready to deadlift, he slapped me across the back of the neck, and I turned around and looked at him like I was going to kill him and told him, don't ever do that again. And, <laughs> 
kind of scared to hell with him. And <laughs> ever since then, he he started calling me Rock Man because that has totally changed. You know, right now, how old are you? Uh, I'll be 46 at the end of uh, this month. Okay, and I, I believe your body weight's around 240. Uh, currently, I'm yeah, I weighed in, uh, competed at Raw Nationals a couple weekends ago, and weighed in at 240. Currently, I'm about 245. Okay. How tall are you? Uh, 5'10". 5'10". All right, well, let's get to the bare bones of this, because, again, we like to bring up our, our listener listeners to uh, up to speed on, with our guests um, who may or may not have heard of you. Um, give us a little rundown on your, you know, maybe your, your background, um, and tell us a little bit about your, uh, you know, sport athletic background as well, and how you fought, found your, your, your way to what you are now, which is a competitive powerlifter. Okay. Um, I live in... Carrollton, Texas. I've uh, lived in Texas uh, most of my life. Uh, got into powerlifting in high school. I would worked out since I was about 15, and a gym opened up in town. I wanted to get into powerlifter and powerlifting. And uh, fortunately for me, the guys that owned the gym were powerlifters, so I started training there. And uh, five months later, did my first powerlifting meet. Oh wow! My senior high school, I weighed 210 and squatted. Uh, 500 with knee, uh, single ply France suit, knee wraps and a belt. Bench right. 350 raw, deadlifted 450. That was after only five months of deadlifting. So I got into it for a while and competed up until that was in '84 and competed up until about 1988 when I got married to my first wife and mm-hmm. kind of got out of it and returned to powerlifting in 2003. Uh, Started training with Sean Donegan, the owner of Bad Attitude Gym. And when you know, when I wasn't powerlifting originally, the gear was pretty minimal. And prior mm-hmm. to getting out of it, I'd went to like a Enzer Blast shirt. So um, it was kind of a big change for me because Sean and uh, the guys at Bad Attitude Gym is, are, were mainly uh, multiply lifters. So I got into I was competing in the APF and AAPF. So I competed in gear from. October of 2003 till May of 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, my best lifts in the a- APF were uh, an 848 squat, 523 bench, and a 711 deadlift. Mm-hmm. Uh, deadlift only, uh, my best was 722 in gear. And so like I said, 2008, I kind of got burnt out on lifting in gear and kind of wanted to get back to my roots. I really enjoyed you know, training heavy and not really having to necessarily try to learn to master a piece of equipment. That took a lot of the fun out of it for me, and I just kind of got burnt out on it. Mm, yeah. So yeah, back well, I made the switch and happier yeah. than, than ever. Yeah, and I, you're, I think your most recent meet was, was the uh, USIPL Raw Nationals, correct? That's correct. Yeah, um, how did you do there? Placed fifth in the Open 242 and first in the Masters 45 to 49 division. Uh Squatted 523, which my, was my first attempt. Uh, missed 551 twice. Uh, benched 391 on my second attempt. Missed 402. Uh, got my second attempt deadlift to 639. And missed 672 on my third. That would have uh, got me third place if I'd have got my my third deadlift. I tweaked my right. on my first on my first squat. It's something I injured a couple weeks before the meet. Yeah, I was reading that so, on your site. Yeah. Yeah, so so that kind of held me back. I learned a lesson there not to do high rep deadlifts that close to a meet anymore. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Now, what, when, when the, 
when the the Raw Nationals, I mean, to 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 me, Raw is belt only. But I mean, I, I've seen it lately that you know people are have their own kind of interpretations of what Raw is. Some people say Raw is just a knee wrap. Some people in the Raw Nationals, is it just belt only? Belt and knee sleeves. They allow like the neoprene knee sleeves. Oh, okay, okay. But for me, I don't use the neoprene knee sleeves because they really don't give you much. And yeah. Use them to train either. And then keep your knees warm, but it's just to me a hassle. Another piece of equipment to put on <laughs> right. and deal with. Now, in this, uh, you qualified for the Arnold Raw meet. That's correct. Yeah, and I, I see on your site that you've already uh, submitted your papers for that. Yes. Will that be your first? Uh, it'll for be that? my third. third oh, oh your third. Okay. So I, this year, I placed third in the two sixty four pound class. They have the new IPF weight classes at the. And Nash at uh, actually uh, North American meets and higher. They're using the new IPF weight classes. Okay, it's interesting what you say before about how um, you know training with um, the heavy equipment, the gear, um, seem to have taken you a little bit away from you know your love and passion for lifting weights. And I, I've heard from a lot of people who are kind of multiply lifters or people who use the gear um, predominantly that. And I, well, certainly I've seen it too. It, it certainly training becomes a whole new ball of wax as far as just preparation and screwing around with all this stuff. And <laughs> you know, a squat session that might take you know an hour and a half, two hours, sometimes can take three or four. You know, I've seen with you know the stronger you get, the worse it gets, of course, because you have to time you know putting different pieces on at different points during the session and this type of thing. Is it is that what kind of what you're talking about? Is just kind of being yeah. the frustration of it all? Yeah, that, and, and just like, you know, you get a new shirt and trying to touch in the shirt, trying to find the lightest weight you can touch with so you have something to open with, and, you know, you end up spending, you know, a lot of your time in a training session doing that. And actually, yeah. my last training cycle in in, a, in gear, I had a uh, double-ply Rage X and actually dropped 585 on my chest. I was, like, probably two or three inches from lockout, and my my arm, my hands went numb, and I dropped the bar. Luckily, I didn't get injured, but that just mm. dealing with those kind of things, I had to be cut. Someone had to cut the sleeves to go get the sleeves off my arms, and <laughs> just dealing with that kind of stuff just it gets to be a hassle. Like you said, the time it takes. You know, we have, you know, we have ten guys squatting at a time, and you know, it would take in gear. It takes forever. You're talking, you know, you know, pretty late sessions there. If you're training raw, you know, you're, you know, I, I was getting about 300 pounds out of my multiply gear suit briefs and yeah, and belt and ear apps and you know. 300 pounds higher that you got to go, and just uh, and it's it's more dangerous too. Just like I said, dropping. Well, of course, yeah, yeah. Get out now, of the, the groove of that suit, and all of a sudden you're not you don't have the strength in that area to recover from a lift. Yeah, yeah. Now you say you're 46. Now you say I mean, yeah. I'm 41, and I tell people all the time. Certainly, like pure strength sports are much different than most you know performance sports. In that, again, you know, uh, the athletes in it can very much, you know, be dominant and, you know, world level in their 40s, no problem. Have you noticed any changes in your training now that uh, you're 46 versus, I mean, you know, in your 20s and 30s? Uh, talk a little bit about that and, and where do you, where do you um, how much longer do you feel that you're going to be able to uh, progress? Right now, I hadn't seen anything slowing me down. Uh, I do have noticed over probably the past five years, you know, more injuries when I was than when I was younger. It was a lot easier to recover when I, when I was younger. But like even on a strength level, I mean, at the Arnold this, this year, my uh, 573 squat was like a 
a 22-pound PR over anything I've done in the past. So I mm-hmm. you know, feel like I still get, you know, keep getting stronger. Just just have to pay a lot more attention to like your pre-workout stuff, your warm-up, stretching, right. foam rolling, and all that good stuff. You have to pay a lot more attention to that. Right, right. Yeah, I work a desk job, so I've been, you know, sitting at a desk for 17 years, and so there's things that you know occur, you know, shortening of the uh, hip flexors, and mm-hmm. also one of the things I was recently discovered is I have uh, poor uh, thoracic spine mobility, which is kind of affected my squat. So <laughs> right, right, one, yeah, yeah, you bend too much and, and lean too much, so yeah. Well, I like. Like I said, I'm 41, and like when people ask me, I say, you know what? Like the same kind of thing. It's like it's like I, I foresee my strength just going up and up and over the next decade. But yeah, I mean, if I notice anything to me, it's uh, I just tend to be a little bit more stiffer in the, stiff in the morning and stuff like that. Uh, a little bit less loose. Well, once I get going, I'm all right. But <laughs> you know, you tend to, and I think that also is part partially not just the age factor, but the, the, when you get the stronger you get, the more you just naturally get to be tight, right? So. And there's so much more to loosen up and to you know to uh, maintain flexibility through. But um, do you do you continue uh, plan to continue to compete for you know another five years, ten years, as long as you can? What, what kind of uh, plans do you have? As long as I can be competitive in the open division, then and I'll keep keep competing. You know, there's if, you know it's big if if I would have hit my goals at Raw Nationals, I would have had a really good shot at winning it. So. So I would really like to win Raw Nationals or the Arnold, you know, before I even think about retiring from competition. But as long as I can stay competitive in the Open, I'll keep doing it. I don't want to be and nothing against anyone that their Masters lifters only competing their age group and do well there. I, that just doesn't, you know, really bring me that, you know, the satisfaction of, you know, doing well in the Open division. So as long as I do well there, you know, I figure even at that point when I decline a little bit where I can't really be competitive there, then. You know, I'll focus on you know trying to be a you know do well in masters and yeah for a while, but I don't see myself being seventy years old still competing. <laughs> but you never know. Yeah. Now this is yeah. something that we don't re- really usually bring up with our with our guests, but I think it's pertinent to ask it. And um, tell us a little bit about um, whether you've experienced over the course of your lifting career um, good support either from your family, friends, or, you know, uh, lifting partners? And if you have, um, how important that, that is to your success? Uh, yeah, it's, I've been really lucky because my, uh, my wife has been real supportive. She always goes to the meets with me, videos my, my lifts. We schedule vacations around meets, you know, because we travel a lot for competitions. And she never complains and enjoys it. She Really, you know, she'll people she knows lifting. She doesn't mind, but gets bored otherwise. So she'll find things to do in the area. So, like at Raw Nationals, I had some friends competing on the second day of the competition. So she went and did something on her head fun. But uh, she's real supportive. My daughter's supportive. Actually, my in-laws are really supportive. They call me up prior to me to wish me luck and oh, nice. have an interest in my sport. Actually, even amazingly, my church. Some of my biggest fans there, a pastor of our church, actually. Flew from Dallas to uh, to uh, Columbus for the Arnold. Him and his wife to see me compete. So, wow, a lot of support. Really supportive team. Uh, a lot of good friends in the sport and teammates. Uh, a lot of guys like Sean from Bad Attitude Jim. He will fly up to help us out at meets, and it's probably you know 
probably one of the more supportive teams and groups or gyms around. So you do have training partners, or? Uh, actually, I've gotten to where I'm training more alone on Fridays. I train with the Bad Attitude Gym Crew. Uh, the other days, I'm the gym where I train at. The rest of the time is authentic strength and training. It's like two miles from my house, and they have the uh, combo racks like they use in the USAPL, and that with you know having to take my daughter to school and do her roller derby practices. It's just makes a lot more sense to be able to train closer. But Fridays I train with them and and have teammates there. And the other place I train at, the owner, one of the owners used to compete in powerlifting, and so I have you know help spotters and support there. So right. How old's your daughter? I'm really fortunate. Uh, she's 19. What has she showed any interest in uh, powerlifting? No, she hasn't. I've tried to get her just to, <laughs> not even just to compete, but just to work out, just knowing the benefits of it. Right. Especially now, since she started uh, training for roller derby in May. And, oh. Uh, you know, strength and the athletic enhancement you get from training would do her well. So. Well, that answers my question then, because I was going to say, what would you say if she had told you that she wanted to get into powerlifting? So, <laughs> obviously, you're. I would be fine with it. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, um, we're going to take a little bit of a break right now for some uh, messages. And uh, when we come back uh, with Philip Rockman Wiley, we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to have our topic of the day, and uh, it's very pertinent to him as our guest, and it's going to be interesting to our listeners, we hope. So uh, we'll, be, we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back, Iron Radio listeners. This is IronRadio.org, and we're, we're, I'm here, Rob Fortress Fortney, with Phil Stevens. Uh, Lonnie is not with us this week. He's uh, had other commitments, um, but our guest today is Philip Rockman Wiley. He's a champion powerlifter. Uh, he is now competes as a raw lifter, and our topic of the day um, is pertinent to having him as a guest, and that is the uh, advantages and disadvantages of uh, equipped lifting versus raw lifting um, and that type of thing. And um, I'll start off just by saying that, uh, I mean, obviously, that, that there's very obvious uh, advantages that, you know, from, from equipped lifting, certainly people are going to throw, you know, well, yeah, of course, you can lift more weight. But um, to people who actually know, you know, the, the more nuanced um Benefits and disadvantages of, of both type of lifting. Um, th- th- there are quite a, a few, and certainly with uh, Philip on today, um, he's going to be a great source for this because um, he has lift. As we've heard in the segment previous, um, he ha- does have experience lifting equipped, um, single ply and multi ply, and um, now um, competing at a, a very high level as a raw lifter as well. So. Uh, Philip, tell us a little bit about. Um, I, we we talked. We touched a little bit about uh, upon this when I was interviewing you, and that's why kind of I steered the conversation back to you specifically because a lot of the stuff that we were starting to go into was um, I thought would be you know we should save it for the topic. So you were saying a little bit about how you know the all the equipment you found it was starting to kind of like uh, you know seep or take a little bit of this the passion away from lifting because of all the the hassles of it and so forth. So tell us a little bit about what you think are the major advantages, first of all, from using gear, whether it be um, single-ply or multi-ply? I think as far as advantages goes is if you if you like your, you have like a hip injury or something or something's kind of tweaked, you can put a suit on and work around it. And, you 
know, what the advantages to another advantage would be, you know, since you're in those suits, and especially the more applies you have, you know, the more important it is to work lockout so you can work partial movements and you don't have to work full range of motion at all. And one mm -hmm. thing I want to say, too, for sure, is it's definitely, in my opinion, a lot harder to train in gear. But, you know, you may get a lot out of it, but those guys that really get a lot out of it took a lot of time to master that gear. But, the, but yeah, like I said, if you have, like, a, you know, tweak hip or something, you can put on some briefs and still squat if you've got, you know, shoulder problems, you know, shoulders bothering you or pack or something, you can put a shirt on or, you know, do board presses, something, work limited range of motion, whereas if you're in gear, you just can't do too much of the partial movements and, and still advance. Right. Um, something you were talking about, or I, I want to ask you again earlier, but again, if I would save it for this, this segment of the show, um, you hear a lot of people who are, of course, there's the debates that are going back, you know, like the, the raw guys, you know, talking bad against the, the, the you know, equipped guys and vice versa. And, you know, there seems to be obviously a, a kind of a, uh, refreshing of people's interest in raw powerlifting and so forth. But you hear a lot of guys who have used or do use, um, gear saying that they actually reap a lot of benefits from it if they decide to go back to raw or when they do raw lift after a period of using uh, the heavy gear, they, they they find they say that their strength is much greater. I mean, did you find that or? I found starting out one of the things that I've, I've considered adding back into my training is uh, one of the things I really miss from being in gear is just the uh, training your central nervous system gets since you get so much more out of the gear. And uh, you know, when I first got into it, after getting out of gear, you know, 500 pounds felt pretty light because when you're used to having 800 pounds or more on your back, then 500 pounds. Is is lighter, so I, I can see a lot of advantages. And the, there's some guys that compete raw and equipped, and they say really bench-wise, it's good to to do both because you know you get that top-end strength. Your your uh, your central nervous system is more adapted to the weights. And actually, someone like myself, uh, very short range of motion kind of stuff works for me since actually my lockout is my weakness on the bench. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, because it's weird because I hear I, I mean a, fr a friend of mine, his friend actually. Um, told me that I mean he's he's his his com competitive kind of a history is limited to, to this point, but he's a strong kid, and he was telling me that you know after a period of several months using um, a single ply shirt and all that type of thing, that when he finally went back you know and took the shirt off just you know in a, in a few training sessions, that his his raw bench was nowhere what it had pre been previously, even though his you know shirted lift it was you know much greater than the, what it it. it it had been when he was at his best. So it seems to be some people say it both ways. A lot of guys, obviously, like Louis Simmons, these types of people say that, you know, what you're kind of saying, you know, you train your nervous system, you know, so much greater than it's normally would be trained. And like you say, if you're used to putting 800 pounds in your back, 500 feels light. But, you know, but again, I question, I, I can see from those vantage points that being true. I just wonder whether the actual, you know, reality of the actual range of motion lift might be easier. I don't know. I mean, maybe for somebody like you, because you're saying your, your weak parts in the lifts tend to be somewhat, you know, the lockout portions. Um, but for maybe more um, typical, because I think more typical lifters probably experience more kind of um, um, fighting through that kind of that drag part of the lift, probably, you know, in the transitional period in the, you know, middle parts of the lift. So I, I don't know. What do you think about all that? Yeah, and I see a lot of people nowadays, too, that will be... Weak off, weak off their chest. I think one of the things that's helped me is 
you know, years and years of training raw and, and you know, even in the inter blast shirts back in the, the 80s, I got such so much low end that it's my lockout that's the weakness. But it's, you see a lot of people nowadays just get in the sport that were gym lifters that weren't even going all the way to their chest with a bench. They don't pause and, and just kind of their priorities in the way they they train, I think. Right. So, so would you say that multiply lifting some places a greater uh, demand on your nervous system as a whole and in general where it might not be as um, strenuous or intense on the muscular system? Would that be yeah, fair to say? Yeah. You would agree with that? Yeah. Okay. So let's go down to the other way, um, and let's talk a little bit about what you think the advantages of are lifting raw. Um, anything that you can think of? Uh, one thing I think you're going to, if you train right, you're going to have probably less chances of imbalances because, you know, if you're in gear, there's really not a lot of need to train full range. There's, you know, there's some guys out there that bench in a shirt. I think one that comes to mind is Mike Womack, and he doesn't even bench raw, and he puts a shirt on right off the bat. And a lot of those no. guys will even do, like, warm up with board presses raw maybe, but not go full range. Okay. So I think the raw stuff, you know, if you train right, you're going to be less chances of uh, imbalances. And another thing I noticed when I switched from gear to raw, training for a uh, for a geared meet, I was warming up raw. My hips were bothering me. As soon as I put the brace on, the uh, aches and pains went away. But then after that competition in November, I was training for a raw meet in January. And after a training cycle of, of raw squatting, those pains went away. So okay. I think really if you're going to – I would advise anyone in gear is to throw in, cycle in some raw stuff throughout the week, at least, you know, yeah. one day of raw full-range benching and one day of raw full-range squatting, you know, just to kind of keep those muscles, you know, strengthened and, and not develop those weaknesses. Well, I definitely subscribe to that as far as, you know, if I was ever to um, – suggest anything to anybody who chose to use, um, you know, whether it be, you know, light, you know, single ply stuff or heavier. Um, I've always, I've always said that at the very least, they should certainly, you know, uh, integrate some degree of raw lifting in for the, exactly the reasons you're saying it's, it can't do anything but be a benefit to both your performance and your, probably your joint integrity and all this type of thing. Um, your flexibility and so forth. If you do that, we haven't heard from you much, Phil. What, well, what do you think about all that? Well, I was just going to oh, add good, in on that. Good. I think, I think uh, you know, I've heard it more than more than one time lately from from experienced lifters that that are in the the, the unlimited equipped and stuff like that. And it's uh, it has done a bit of disservice that that younger lifters are jumping into the gear so quick mm. and they don't have that raw background, and it's causing a lot of injuries and imbalances. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been in a situation where I was squatting a meet with. With a kid that was open at like 750, and you know he had never personally squatted 405. Oh man! And you know it's that's getting a little out there. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, it's you know I, you, you don't build up the structure and the time under the bar. I think a lot of the times, and I have nothing against equipped lifters. I think that, but I, I don't know. You're seeing, I'm seeing kids like go from training from not training to training to in full gear in like a matter of months. Yeah. And uh, they just don't have that time to build the structure that, that, that's demanded for, for such loads. And I think it, you're, you're seeing a lot of injuries and stuff yeah. from that. And, you know, um, to use it in a, a kind of a, a parallel to, you know, uh, cousin sport bodybuilding, I was re- seeing a video just recently where they were Flex Wheeler, um, Ronnie Coleman, and Sean Ray were having a little kind of roundtable discussion. And 
talking about kind of modern competitive high level bodybuilder and the, the differences between now and years ago and they were saying um you know it, it, i think it's an analogous to the whole idea of that you know what they were saying which is you know um guys before you use drugs to help them to help them in their pursuit to build a body whereas guys today kind of build the whole entire body with drugs um where, and i think that's kind of analogous to what we're talking about here and what philip brings up the whole concept of you know, it's and what you're saying, Phil, the whole idea that, you know, these kids are jumping right into the gear when they don't really have a base at all. I mean, you're talking about a kid who's squatting over 700 pounds, but yet never, you know, sank into the hole of 405 without one, without gear. And I mean, that's, to me, that's kind of alarming. And, and certainly it kind of goes to what Philip's saying about the whole concept of, you know, it's, you, you see a lot of injuries like that because, you know, structurally these people just don't have the, you know, they, they really don't deserve to be under the weight or pulling the weight that, you know, that they are. So, I don't know. Phil, tell us a little bit more about what you think are some advantages of, of lifting raw. Obviously, do you think there's a lot? I mean, there might be, I always kind of laugh when I see a lot of these guys preparing because it, it seems like they're putting much more effort and sweating a lot, a great deal more uh, when they're actually putting this stuff on than when they're doing actually the lifting. And sometimes yeah. I question, I question the, uh, you know, <laughs> how kind of ridiculous that sometimes looks to me that, you know, again, they're putting, they're probably wasting 40% of their energies of putting the darn shirts on and all that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. sometimes, you know, you, you see these guys and they have three or four guys yanking on that thing, and by the time they're done, it looks like they've, you know, the workout's already over. Yeah. Do you find that, do you find going into the gym, like, I mean, it must, when you made the switch uh, a few years ago, a couple years ago, it, it must have been kind of an alleviation of, kind of, a, of, a, of that whole kind of thing. It must have meant, been very free and liberating when you could go in the gym and not have to worry about all that kind of thing and stuff. Yeah, it's nice. And then even traveling to a meet, you're, your gear bag is a lot. You got to single it your shoes, and that's it. <laughs> right, right. I remember almost having to pay an extra fee going to uh, APF Senior Nationals in, in Las Vegas in 2000, 2006. Uh, my weight, my how much my gear bag weighed? It was like 50 pounds or more. So yeah, it's nice not have to mess that. Going to meets and even in the gym, you, you're in and out quicker in the, in the warming up. You know, you got to warm up so far raw, and then. Put the gear on, and if you're if you're uh, you know, multiply, you put your briefs on, do a couple sets, and add the suit. It's just it's just more of a headache just to deal with it. Not even when you just take out the, the actual extra time and training you have to do. And then, in my opinion, on those days when we were training gear, because we weren't always in gear, because we were following a West Side template, and so really the only day we always wore gear was you know light briefs on Friday on Fridays for our dynamic effort squats. Uh, you know, it's just, it just was nice not to deal with it. And it seemed like those gear days, you really didn't get that much work in. You're really more or less adapting your central nervous system to the weight, not so much you know, getting stronger. Right. And it becomes really like, I, it was interesting because, you know, my first meet, it was very interesting because it was USAPL, so, you know, we were single-ply stuff. And it really is an art. And thankfully I had somebody who had ex- lots of experience helping me because, I, after the meet, I, I, you know, I was, I was thinking back. I'm thinking, geez, I could only imagine if I went into this thing, I had nobody like that to help me. Because, r- really, I mean, you know, bet- between in the deck and the whole flights, this and, I mean, timing when to put, like you say, like I mean, you know, everybody has their own little way of, you know, what to put on at what weight, you know, and to time things right. Because obviously, you don't want us to be standing there, you know, to do get ready to do the lift, you know, 20 minutes before you're supposed to do it, and 
you know, by you know, in the opposite way, you don't want to be called out that you know that you're supposed to be lifting in two minutes and you haven't put anything on yet. So it really becomes an art, you know, and you can see how the more gear you use, the more you have to really you know refine your approach and your understanding of where you are at any given point during a meet to kind of you know to to be successful and not you know miss lifts or you know uh, be like I said be be jumping the gun and be all ready to go and you're standing there for 20 minutes. That or where your knee wraps, you know, you someone's, you know, you're so far out, say someone goofs up and the head is re-racket or something or something, there's some kind of hold-up that takes you longer. You have to unwrap your knees and wrap them again. That was that's pretty stressful, yeah. too. Just just the stress factor of being on the platform, having to deal with that, get your straps adjusted on your suit before you get there, adjust yeah. your bench shirt and all that, just deal with that. You know, that's bad enough to have that minute to get to the platform and make the lift, much less have to deal with those other things. It's like I said, I definitely it's definitely a lot harder and a lot more stressful using the gear. So yeah. Do you now talking to what we were saying before um, to the people out there who are raw lifters? Do you advise um, raw lifters who are you know have competitive aspirations or are competitive? Do you think a period of um, equipped lifting? throughout throughout a year or so forth would be a good idea um, for them, you know, in a long run, even though they do compete raw? Do you think that would be helpful? What I would actually recommend instead is I would uh, recommend getting something like one of the slingshot devices or or do reverse band deadlifts, I mean, squats or bench presses. That way you can kind of overload it and train the central nervous system. Yeah. You're actually not really changing your groove so much. With that reverse band, you know, just lightens the weight as you go down. So I would go with that opposed to using gear because that way you can still keep the groove and get stronger while you're doing it. Now, we were talking also about, you know, um, age and this type of thing. Um, would you consider going back to gear if it would, uh, say, five, ten years from now? Um, you know, you say just, you know, knock on wood, you know, playing devil's advocate, you've accumulated some certain injuries and you realize that you could still compete successfully um, if you used some gear. Um, would you consider going back to that? Currently now, I really don't want to get back in gear, but say there is ever a possibility I could, you know, maybe see single ply, you know, doing something like single ply, possibly. I'd, the, I guess, you know, if I really if I'd probably been a single ply opposed to multiply, you know, I might have not made the switch so quick or I don't know if I'd have made the switch. One of the things I've always told myself if I could get my, my deadlift up to around seven and a half raw or a little above that, then you know, if it's my only shot I ever squat ever deadlift in eight hundred pounds, then maybe I'll throw a deadlift suit on and try and do a you know, train for a while to get an eight hundred pound deadlift, you know, just to get right. a deadlift. How much are these deadlift suits these days um, putting on some people's deadlifts? Conventional suits probably getting anywhere from like 25 to, to 50 pounds out of a conventional suit. Assuming you mean you mean just a conventional suit that you that you'd wear for squatting you mean or as far as well a conventional deadlift suit as far as a squat suit you know multiply gear I was getting 300 pounds out of my suit and I know other guys that get 400 pounds out of their suit. But I would own de- so you're talk- so you're saying you're saying most of the guys who are getting with the deadlift suit were getting how much Oh, the conventional, just regular conventional deadlift suit, you're probably getting, you know, anywhere from 25 to, to you know, 40 to 50 pounds. And right. Sumo-wise, sumo there's people getting 100 or more. I know some guys that 
deadlift and canvas that say they get 100 pounds out of their suit. Yeah. In fact, uh, uh, J.J. Thomas, one of the owners of uh, Detroit Barbell, told me at one time, time that he got 100 pounds out of his canvas deadlift suit. Right. Now, before we go, um, I, have, I have to ask you, Again, and I think you're a good person to ask because, again, you've done both. What do you think about the whole kind of, you know, uh, to use probably a more inflammatory and, you know, dramatic word than it probably warrants, but the whole war that seems to sometimes go on between the, the raw lifters and the guys who are equipped and, you know, you kind of hear barbs exchanged back and forth. Yeah, I mean, do you think there's a re, um, reemergence of, of the interest in, in raw and do you think that's going to continue or do you think not? What do you think about that whole kind of thing? You know, raw is really catching on and getting, getting more and more popular. I don't know whether one will overtake the other. I think in time, I can I know the I can see raw you know gain popularity because IPF is going to have its first raw world championships next year, so kind of gain some interest there. I think it's good from the standpoint you take you know you're somebody in the gym they want to compete in powerlifting, but they don't have access to people to show them how to use gear. Yeah, and it's a really good option because then they can just go jump in a meet. All they got to really do is understand the the rules and can compete there. But it's just the you know you got people that really like extreme powerlifting, and there's a few people I think that could go wrong. But it's, most of those people are are less likely to change because you know they're competing in you know beds with the multi layers as they add more equipment. People are getting more plies is allowed and made so. I kind of don't see it ever going just one way. Right. Which leads me, I mean, and I agree with you, which kind of leads me to the way I think, which is that, you know, you're never really going to see powerlifting kind of go, um, you know, as a singular entity kind of to, to, to a more kind of um, mainstream kind of acceptance just because, again, it, it kind of becomes unfeasible if you had some sort of like um Amalgamated, um, amalgamation of so many different federations that could agree that, okay, we'll at least accommodate, you know, I mean, it, it would become ridiculous. You'd have like a, you know, a week long, uh, training system or, or, you know, meet where there'd be the raw guys and the single guy, ply guys and the multiply guys. It would just take too much, too much time. And I think that because there are so many federations with, you know, different varying degrees of allowances and so forth that, you know, it's just going to always remain kind of scattered. And, I mean, not that it, that necessarily bothers me because I never, you know, planned or really aspired to making lots of money from powerlifting. Um, but but certainly I think that it's unfortunate for generations to come um, that that maybe is not a possibility because, because of, again, just because there's so many federations that, you know, everybody, you know, nobody can come up. And, and therefore, like the, the mainstream sporting community um, who has a very, very, very base understanding of what's going on, you know, like they're listening to 18 million different people saying, you know, what is powerlifting and, you know, what is right and what is acceptable and what is not and that type of thing. All right. One of the things that would <laughs> no, be nice I, is to see more, more respect, mutual respect in the sport because, you know, and if you know, somebody thinks it's thinks this is so easy or that's so easy, they should try the other out for a while and see what it's like. You know, before yeah. you know, raw guys taking jabs at people here, they should try it and yeah. see what it's like. Yeah. It's not that easy and, and vice versa. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. I mean, I think at, at the end of the day, we have a lot more in common than we do apart. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're both niche sports, and it's always going to be a niche sport, and we're all better off just uh, getting along. You know, and there's no point. I mean, most of the meets I've been to, how I've been in a lot of APF meets when I was the only raw lifter. 
And, you know, but I, I got nothing but support usually. I mean, there was, there was friendly jabs back and forth. But, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, we're both in there doing the same thing. It's a little different. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of technique that goes into gear. You know, it's a lot of time learning, learning what you're, yeah. what you're, what you're putting on. And I mean, I think, I don't think either of them is going anywhere. And I hope they both go up. Yeah. You know, the thing you know. is with the, the extreme gear, it's, you know, it's impressive to see a 1200 pound squat. I think. Yeah. Public wise, I think even the general public may not understand the gear, but you know, what's going to impress them the more, you know, more 800 pound raw squat or 1200 pound squat, you know, it's super yeah. human, human sounding stuff. So it's got more, yeah. more appeal. Uh, so that's that's good in that sense. Yeah, exactly. But you know, it, yeah. also too in powerlifting, we have no fans. We are our fans. So it's yes. better we all get along and uh, <laughs> you know, that's true. Each I, other, you know? Yeah, I would say that when you go to a meet, it's uh, the, the audience if there is one is made up of yeah. friends, family, and other yeah, lifters. Family. Yeah. <laughs> the, only so. real, the only real fans are powerlifters because family <laughs> and friends are just there to help you out and support you. You know. Right. Right. <laughs> all right. Well, it's been great that's talking good. to you, Wiley. And your your um, your website um, for our listeners who might want to go and uh, look at uh, a little bit back to uh, Philip Wiley's uh, history and some of his um, training and so forth. It's uh, philipwiley.com, Is that correct? That's correct. And that's P H I L L I P Wiley W Y L I E dot com. Um, it's kind of cool there. I actually like your site. It's got some, uh, it's kind of basic, but it's, it's got some cool stuff to read and, uh, you know, some of your background and so forth. So, uh, and I like that picture on the front page there of you squatting. It's pretty cool. Well, it's it's from, uh, the Arnold. Yeah, your face, your face is as red as your shirt, so that's cool. Yeah. You, you, you know, Parallel just squatting heavy when this, when his face matches the, the, the shade of color of yeah. his, of his red shirt. So, that's cool. So again, uh, Philip, thank you very much for, uh, spending time with us. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot. Okay, and uh, Iron Radio listeners, that's it for today, and we will be back next week with an all-new episode. So until then, uh, keep lifting and have some fun, and we'll see you then. Cheers, everybody. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, We'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. <laughs>your weekly fix of iron radio in addition to being a popular institute on itunes we are also on email simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email you'll get a once per week email no more that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio so go for it
Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the liter literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here, I do make a single-digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however. Obviously, I haven't done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what a, perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Phil Stevens here for IronRadio.org, StrengthGuild.com, and ChadAches.com to tell you about the Strength Refined Seminar with myself, Phil Stevens, and Chad Aches. Saturday, September 24, 2011, CrossFit Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada. Strength Refined is a one-day course in refining your technique and proficiency in the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. It's going to be a long day. We'll squat, we'll bench, we'll deadlift, we'll do a Q&A, and then we're going to go heavy and go eat. For more information, go to www.strengthguild.com, click on the blog, go to Meets and Seminars, click on the Strength Refined Seminar, and it's all there. Hope to see you there. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.